The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight, we journey into the extraordinary as we delve deep into classified military operations, clandestine space missions, and unprecedented encounters with enigmatic beings from the distant cosmos. Our compass for this expedition is a man named JP, an ordinary individual who lived an extraordinary life. His story begins with a startling encounter with a group of human-like extraterrestrials known to many of us as Nordics. Yet, this is just the start. JP's world takes a fascinating twist as he's drawn into a classified branch of the U.S. military. This grants him unparalleled access to a world that seems to defy our concept of reality. His experiences far beyond what we consider worldly involve covert missions to underground cities and cosmic arcs, all the while maintaining contact with the Nordic extraterrestrials. His personal narratives, teeming with advanced technology, anti-gravity spacecraft, and glimpses of exotic, undisclosed locations reflect an incredible journey that invites us to expand our understanding of our world and indeed of the cosmos itself. The man bringing JP's extraordinary journey to light is none other than Dr. Michael Sala, a recognized scholar in international politics, conflict resolution, and a pioneer in exopolitics, the study of political processes associated with extraterrestrial life. Dr. Sala bridges the gap between humanity and the cosmos, standing at the frontier of a new era of understanding. Are you intrigued? Then brace yourself as we dive into a world where the lines between reality and fiction blur, where the secrets of the universe unfold, and where our understanding of knowledge is put to the test. The universe is about to get a whole lot more interesting. Welcome to Veritas. If this is your first time listening, welcome home. To access tonight's full interview and all of our exclusive material, simply join the Veritas Plus family by clicking on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Veritas store for a range of great products, including focused life force energy. Experience the power of FLFE with a 15-day free trial today. No credit card required. We're excited to announce the launch of our brand new Veritas Plus Insider, your source for exclusive news and insights you won't find anywhere else. If you're looking to get in touch with Mel, have a guest suggestion, or would like to provide feedback, simply click on the contact button on our website. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's show. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. The title of his new book is U.S. Army Insider Missions, Space Arcs, Underground Cities, and ET Contact, marking the eighth thrilling installment of the Secret Space Program series. You can learn more about Dr. Michael Salas' work at exopolitics.org. And now, broadcasting directly from Nashville, Tennessee, it's my privilege to welcome Dr. Michael Sala. Hello, Michael, and welcome back to Veritas. Thank you, Mel. Great to be back. It's my pleasure. And Michael, I just told you offline, I just finished the book. I could not put it down. This is an incredible story. So I want everybody to remain open-minded because what you are about to share today can really shatter our paradigm. So I want to, as you know, I like to go in chronological order. 
Let's try the very beginning. In 2008, you received a phone call from a young man you've called JP. Can you share what that initial conversation was like? Sure. Well, he contacted me. He had just returned from Brazil, and he spoke about a contact experience he had with some human-looking extraterrestrials uh, he called Nordics. And he just didn't give me a lot of details, a lot of particulars. He just described it as a kind of otherworldly experience. He he had a very hazy recollection, but he remembered seeing these uh, three human-looking extraterrestrials in front of a spacecraft, and that um, that started a process where he then began to have dreams and visions of these extraterrestrials showing him technologies, advanced technologies. And so, you know, over the subsequent years, he began to tell me about the different technologies that he had uh, developed with the help of these extraterrestrials through these visions and through uh, these dreams that he was having. And he said that uh, these technologies he was uh, building were of interest to some shadowy covert groups that you know, began uh, developing an interest in him after he contacted some mainstream scientists. He said he was he began by approaching a neuroscientist at one of the universities in in Florida uh, near near Tampa, and uh, he said that uh, this was a, a, a well known neuroscientist, and he said some things about. Uh, how this technology uh, that JP thought that the technology he was developing would be something that would enhance psychic abilities. And so, you know, this scientist, this neuroscientist, had an interest in what JP was doing, and eventually some covert operatives began to monitor JP and began to encourage him to work with them. And so over the next few years, you know, there was this kind of process where JP kept an ordinary job as a as a kind of landscaper and, and a musician. He's a musician by uh, vocation, but like a lot of musicians, uh, <laughs> they struggle. So he supplemented his income uh, with a uh, job as a landscaper. And he would come up with these inventions and he would share them with these covert operatives. And when he did that, they would mysteriously disappear. And I was telling him, look, if you start working with these uh, organizations, military, corporate groups, I mean, they're going to steal the technology. They're never going to let you know, uh, they're never going to let you put it out into the public arena. Uh, but you know, and he worked with them. He continued to try to. Uh, build these things with the help of some insiders. And so it went on like that for a few years. And and over the time, over the years, uh, he, he began to talk more and more about being followed, about the visions, about the dreams, about these kind of like interactions he was having with the Nordics. And so I kind of was, I was open-minded, but I never went public. And the reason I didn't go public was that he didn't, give me the details I kind of look for in terms of going public on a witness. You know, you, you need specific details that you can verify, that you can check. And he never gave me that uh, in the first, really the first nine years. 
of our communications. Uh, it was always he'd tell me what was happening and being followed and inventing things and covert operatives wanting him to work with them. They wanted him to join the military. So, you know, he was being asked to join the military. And and I understand as a contactee uh, why the military would be interested in you. Uh, then um, around 2015, uh, things began to take a more kind of specific focus where he was uh, being taken to these various locations. Some of them were off planets. Some of them could have been in underground civilizations where he was being exposed to different technologies, different artifacts, meeting different beings, meeting with the Nordics, meeting with um, covert operatives from the military. So, you know, he's telling me this. Um, yeah, that these experiences began in two, 2015. So I just I just kept the record. I you know, taped him sometimes. Other times I just took notes of what he said he experienced. And I thought, well, this is all interesting. Um, you know, I don't know if I'll go public. I don't feel confident going public on your story yet. So I just kept the record of it. And and what, what tipped the scales, uh, uh, Mel, was in 2017, he shared some photos. He began sharing photos with me, and that's when that's when I went public. But it not, not only was it the photos, and I'll continue in chronological order, but he was a civilian. How old was he in 2007 when you first started interacting with him? Uh, in 2008, uh, he was in his early 20s. 2008, that's right, early 20s. So by now, if anybody wants to go to the military, they probably, probably would have gone since the age of 18. But he joined at the military after all these events started happening, correct? That's right. Yeah, he, he joined kind of like uh, well into his 30s. And, uh, you know, that in itself was very unusual. He, right. he was saying people were asking him, what agency do you work for? Because, you know, the, the military, uh, the people there, you know, when they look at someone joining the military in their 30s, yeah, they, they always suspect, oh, this is a cover, that this is some kind of sheep-dipping operation where this person is working for you know, an, another organization. And so, you know, he was asked by his uh, um, NCOs, you know, who, who you who you're working with, what agency you're with. So, so you know, they were suspicious of him. And, and the irony is that, uh, you know, they were correct, but not in the way they think. Why the Army and not, say, the Air Force or the Navy? As you know, the Navy for the longest time was the one in charge of all of this. Well, that's the interesting thing. Uh, he began sharing with me these uh, experiences that he had with our Air Force operatives. So it was always Air Force. It was, it was never Navy. It was always Air Force with JP. Um, and, you know, probably, I don't know, I guess because it was uh, he was living near MacDill Air Force Base, uh, which is a huge base, home of uh, Special Operations Command. So it's a it's it's an Air Force uh, facility, and so he was living right next to it. And so the operatives uh, from that base were the ones that, you know, were visiting him, monitoring him, checking out what he was experiencing. You know, because clearly, I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, from the perspective of the military, if you have a civilian having contact with uh, human-looking extraterrestrials, well, you're going to monitor that person and and you're going to try to get that person to, if, if you 
conclude that they're being genuine and that they have experiences with advanced technologies. I mean, in the book, um, in the, in that early period, 2015, 2016, uh, JP is, is, is saying that he's been taken to these facilities where he's testing extraterrestrial weapons. So, you know, you can imagine uh, from the perspective of the Air Force monitoring all of this, um, you know, JP's telling me, and, and I knew, uh, we both knew as he was telling me over the phone that uh, the phone was being tapped, everything was being recorded. And he's telling me about uh, how these uh, extraterrestrials were taking him on these missions and giving him these technologies. He, he described one incident involving this uh, a feline-looking extraterrestrial, a very ancient-looking feline, like a cat person, if you like. And, and this person was like a weapons instructor. And it took him and several others, uh, at least one other, uh, to this site where they were testing weapons, uh, a, a kind of handheld weapon uh, that would just be triggered by uh, s- squeezing the hand. It was like a, uh, a, it was a ring. He described it as a ring. So all you would do is like squeeze your hand and it would shoot a pulse of energy, very powerful pulse of energy. So he was being trained in this. Well, you know, you can imagine from the perspective of the Air Force why they would want someone like that to join the Air Force. And so they would asking him, you know, you should join, you should join. And, and JP was telling me, well, well he, you know, they want me to join. What do you think I should do? I said, look, don't do not do it. If you do it, I mean, uh, they'll control you. I mean, you won't be able to tell me what's going on anymore because uh, they'll just, they can just shut you up very easily. So he didn't, he didn't join. He, he followed my advice. He didn't join. And, um, and so that, you know, that's the way it went uh, for a few more years. And it was only in 2019 so four years later, uh, after these kinds of incidents, that's when he joined. And, you know, there were a few things that uh, really convinced him to join. One was the creation of Space Force and Space Command. Uh, they, they, were, they were created in uh, September 2019 for Space Command, and uh, Space Force was created in December of 2019. So JP was told by his uh, Air Force contacts, they said, look, Space Force has just been created. They're still setting up. Why don't you join the military? And in and in some time, sometime in the future, you will be you you'll go into Space Force because you, you have all the skills, you have the experience, and you'll join Space Force or Space Command. Right? So that was what he was told. And he was told, uh, just join. It doesn't matter what branch of the military. So so JP joined the military in 2019, thinking that that would be his point of entry into Space Force, and and he was told um, to to join the army. Now, why the army? Why not the Air Force? That was uh, that was that was the, the question I had, and and the way it was described was that. Um, to me, was that it, it didn't matter what service uh, that, in fact, uh, because the Air Force personnel were being recruited into Space Force, uh, that it wouldn't matter that, that he was in the Army because they would be recruiting people from all the branches, the Army, the Navy, the Marines, into the Space Force once it was set up. So that's what he was told. So, you know, they steered him in and, you know, I don't know if they tricked him. I don't know if he was misled. 
but he, I think he joined expecting he would end up in the Air Force, but he ended up in the Army. And, you know, I must say, um, in the years since, he's he's very happy with the Army. I mean, he, he loves being part of the Army. He loves the culture. So, but it, it's turned out uh, that it it's turned out that he does indeed work for Space Command. Uh, when he's taken on these missions, he uh, is taken um, on TDY, which is temporary duty, out of his normal military assignment. So his normal uh, military occupation specialty is as uh, um, ordnance and a chemical equipment repairer. So kind of pretty mundane job assignment that's that's what he's trained in but he was also trained in special forces and and you, you, that's not usual huh. he was trained in special forces um and uh he and that was because to be part of these space command missions he needed to be skilled enough to be able to handle the kind of circumstances and conditions that are involved with off world or missions into the inner earth and so forth I just wonder what's going to appear on his DD-214 when he is honorably discharged in the future, what the real caption will show up on that little card. But let me go back again to when he went to Brazil. He got married to his Brazilian wife, and then he went to meet her her parents in, in Brazil to Goianias. By the way, I have friends in Goianias, and uh, they tell me of all sorts of strange things that they see all the time in that part of Brazil. So what exactly happened uh, in Brazil? Uh, well, he uh, went and spent uh, uh, time to, to meet with the family of his wife, and uh, they went to a hotel uh, nearby uh, for this. Sorry, they went to a farm that was nearby. So they, they went to a farm, and for JP, this was the first time uh, that he had been to a Brazilian farm. And so he was very excited by that. He talked about eating a lot of food and they just had a really kind of a festive day. And so at night, he got, uh, he woke up at night. He wasn't able to sleep. Uh, I'm not sure what time it was, kind of like 1 a.m. or something like that. And he says he, he felt this compulsion to go outside. So he went outside and he saw this light. And so he went towards this light uh, there. In, in this farm in that uh, province of Goianas in Brazil. And, and that's when he saw a craft. And uh, he then uh, you know, had that experience. And he was, as I said, he was kind of pretty vague about the, about the details. He didn't remember anything about the names, about where they're from, any, any of the specifics. He just said that, you know, there were these three human-looking Nordics that were there in front of the craft, and uh, and he remembers seeing them. He remembers the lights, and then the next thing he remembers is like being inside and being dirty. and 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 he said that he didn't tell anyone because he felt scared that they would think that he was crazy. Because I, I guess he wanted to make a good impression, and so he just he didn't tell anyone. Um, and and when he went back to the US, back to um, his home in uh, Florida. Oh, actually, at, at the time, I'm not quite sure if it was. Uh, yeah, it could have been. Uh, he was probably living in in Tampa, Florida. When he went back to Florida, uh, that's when he contacted me and 
and told me about that incident in uh, Goianas, Brazil. So Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.